Okay, so we've been looking at this series, Transforming Grace, following on from the foundations we laid in the first part of the year around how uh, we were saved by grace through faith, and that's not of ourselves, it's entirely an act of God, it's a finished work of God, and our job is to receive the benefits of that. We don't earn the benefits of it, we receive them, we believe them, and when we believe them, they take effect in our life. And one of the things, well, not one of the things, but something I believe that God wanted me to stress this morning, it's not actually in my notes and I wasn't intending saying it, is this, that when we say we are set free, we are. Roger, Roger mentioned that earlier. We're set free. We are set free. But not all of us live free. When we hear things or see things and read verses in the Bible and God promises them, they're ours, but not all of us experience them. And when we say uh, we, we're believers and we are followers of Christ, that is true. But not all of us are disciples. And, and that's why Many of us don't see the things in our life we hear about every Sunday morning and we talk about and we pray about because we're not disciples. You see, Jesus said, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, then you're my disciples. And then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. There's an order to these things. And so... One of the reasons that I, I think a lot of us get disappointed and a lot of us get like, we, we just go through the motions, is we're not disciples. And, and that's a choice that we make. It's not, you know, I can't make anybody a disciple. That's a choice we make for ourselves. And, and we have to choose whether we're going to abide in God's word. That means live from it. Is it, is it are the decisions we're taking dictated by that word or do we just take decisions is the way we live our life in relation to God and his word or do we just live our lives and I'm not talking about whether you're saved or not and I'm not talking about whether God loves you or not God loves you incredibly with absolute uh, abandon and he died for you that's not in question what's in question is whether we actually receive the benefits of what he died to give us and we'll only receive the benefits of uh, what what Jesus purchased for us if we're disciples and you know I, I hear you know I go to prayer meetings and I, and I hear people all over the place and, and and talking about things and they talk about like revival and moves of God and we want this and we want to see God this and God's going to do this in our life. But we are not being disciples. We're asking God to do something that he's already done for us and we're not prepared to do because we're too busy with our lives. And so one of the things, the main thing about being a believer, being a follower of Christ, is that our lives become transformed. We are disciples. We become more and more like Christ. And and, and what we've established is that that transformation occurs when our mind is changed. 
when we start to think differently, we start to think like God. And um, the way we think affects everything. You know, some, some people go, well, you know, how can that be? It just is. Because if you think one way, you're not believing. If you think another way, you are believing. And, and your mind is actually the determinant of what happens and how much of God's life, God's power, God's provision manifests in your life. And you go, well, that sounds all a bit psychological, psychiatric, all, that, all those psyche words. But it's not, it's biblical. Now, now listen to me carefully on this. There are some things that the church does that we've stolen from the world because we wanted to please the world and get the world to come in. But there are also some things that the world has stolen from us. And that means that we need to get over a barrier, our little religious reactions that say, well, we can't go there. You see, one of the things the world has stolen from us is the ability to think positively. The Bible has a different word for the ability to think positively. It calls it faith. Or believing God. Or having confidence in God. Or walking in the Spirit. It calls it all those sort of things. It's the same thing. It's thinking positively. When you're thinking negatively, you're thinking in your flesh. Because when you're thinking in your flesh, you're not believing God. You're believing on your own ability and you're looking at the problem and you're going, I can't fix that. When you're thinking positively, as in having faith in God, you're looking at the problem and you're going, God can fix that. So a lot of the determinants of whether the kingdom manifests in our life or not is down to the way we think. So I want you to get out of that barrier of, oh, it's positive thinking. Positive thinking, the world stole from the church, not the other way around. And our thoughts cause us to have certain attitudes. They cause us to have certain perspectives on things. Two people can look at a situation and one person can reach one conclusion and another person with a different set of attitudes can reach a completely different conclusion about the same situation. To one person it looks impossible, to another person it looks like an opportunity for the kingdom to be displayed. And I'm not talking to non-believers. To one Christian it looks impossible, to another Christian it looks like, man, I'm going to get in there because we're going to see God move. And our, our attitudes and, and the way we think and, and whether we're thinking positively or thinking from our flesh and thinking negatively, determine a lot about the quality of our relationships. What, what do we look for in the other person? What do we see in that other person? When, when we look at somebody, do we see the, things, the good things that God's put in there, or do we see the things of the flesh that need sorting? And what do we call forward? Do we call forward the good things that God's put in there, or do we call forward in criticism the things that the flesh is still dealing with, that, that God's still dealing with? And, and how we do that and how we think and, and, and whether we think the best of somebody or the worst of somebody determines the quality of our relationships. Whether we, we determine to forgive or walk in 
unforgiveness and, and strife determines the quality of our relationships. In fact, determined to, when we choose to walk in unforgiveness and strife, it actually does more than affect the quality of our relationships. It's even more serious than that. What it does is it takes the Holy Spirit off the scene. The book of James tells us that, that where there's envy and strife, they're like lurk evil. Uh, they're, like, they're like envy and... Oh, sorry, I can't, can't do it off the top of my head. Where there's envy and strife, there looks every evil thing. And in Ephesians, it tells us that when the church was arguing with itself and had a strife in itself, the Holy Spirit exited the scene. Because the Holy Spirit helps us with our relationships, but we choose how we're going to walk in those relationships. And so we want to engage with the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 23, 7 says this. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Now, that, that's, that's a little phrase. You might go, oh, well, that's, that's nice. But that is massive. That is an absolutely massive thing. Because what that is telling us is what you are thinking, you are. You know, you might think, well, it doesn't matter what I think about. It doesn't matter what I dwell on. It doesn't, doesn't matter if I don't deal with this. It doesn't, doesn't matter if, you know, I, I might forgive them one day. It doesn't matter. You might think that, but it does matter. Because what you think about and what you take into yourself and what you dwell on, you are. You become. It's not what, what you, your mind is fixed on is who you are. You can't be something different from you think you are until you think differently. So to live differently, you have to think differently. If we think positive, this is what God promises us. If we think positively, that means faith-filled thoughts, thoughts looking to God in confidence, if we think positively we will have fruitful lives. End of story. If we are not seeing the fruit of God in our life currently, then that's probably, well, that, that almost certainly is because we're not thinking on the things of God. We are converts and churchgoers and not disciples. Because the, 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 the factor that we are dwelling on in our life isn't God. It's making my job work, getting on with my career, uh, sorting out my issues, re, you know, listening, arguing about politics, all the things that, that, that we fill our lives with instead of determining we're going to live our lives on the basis of what God said and who we are in Christ, who he made us to be. Now, the truth is we all have opportunities to be negative. How many of you have had opportunities to be negative about stuff this week? Everybody has stuff happens. Life happens. Good things happen, but unfortunately, pooey things happen as well. That's the nature of life. 
Sometimes we encounter good people. Sometimes we encounter people we wish you never run across. That's the nature of life. It happens to everybody. How many people have encountered somebody this week that they liked? How many people have encountered some, somebody this week that they butted heads with? Only me. You've just been all around church all week, haven't you, with people you like? But we all, we all encounter things and we all have negative moments in our life. Now, here's the good news. Success or failure in life, to, or success or failure to bear fruit in the Christian life, or success or failure to see the kingdom manifest in your life, does not depend on where you start. It depends on where you finish. And what I'm saying there is that you are not stuck with the circumstances that have dictated your life so far. You are not stuck with what happened in your childhood. You are not stuck with what happened in your teen relationships. You're not stuck with what happened in your marriage. You're not stuck with what happened in your first job, your second job, your third job. You're not stuck because you had a bad boss 10 years ago. Because when we look at things from the perspective of seeing the kingdom manifest in our life, then what's gone doesn't determine what's to come. You see, everybody has the ability to live differently and exceed the same situations. So we have, um, I, I don't know if, I've never seen another town have this, but I assume they do. There's a, there's a Facebook page of the town that shall I come to called Jump Into Kendall. And it's basically uh, for anybody who's lived in Kendall at any point, and people put like all black and white pictures up of what the streets looked like and um, pictures of them in strange clothes in the 1970s and... We remember when this rock band came and played at the Shawfield in Kendall and they got pictures. And everybody's digging out all these pictures and sharing the memories. Anyway, about a week and a half ago, my class picture was up there. From uh, Actually, the guy who put it up, I was at primary school with as well, but this was actually my secondary school photo of me at the age of 12. Yeah, you're not seeing it. You're not seeing it. I, I, was, I was cute. I was unsaved at the time, that's all I'll say. <laughs> and on that picture, there's another, another guy. Now, this other guy called Shepherd, Stephen Shepherd. He used to go by the name Shep. Now, we had similar backgrounds. We both came off council estates. We both got in with some difficult people, you know, like kids I ran with before I was saved, they all ended up in Borstal. I didn't because I got saved, but they all did. And you've got this guy, Shep, and, and Shep, well, he was famous at school. He was famous because he did more detentions than any other kid in our year. Um, and, you know, we, we'd go on, and we had this teacher called Bill Harrison. Bill Harrison was our French teacher. Uh, but he was also our form master in our second year. And um, there became this phrase that all of us knew, which was, Shepherd, get in. 
Shepherd get in was abbreviation because he couldn't be bothered to say it anymore because he said that many times. For Shepherd, get into detention tonight because you've been a naughty boy. It would just became Shepherd, get in. And there he would go, detention. Eventually, he got expelled. And it was really interesting to look back on, on this photo. I won't tell you how many years later, but let's say more than five <laughs> after we've left school to see how our lives had gone because we all started, we both started at the same place. We both passed our 11 plus. We both got with equal level of intelligence. And yet, he's had a terrible life. Because our life is not determined by circumstances. It's determined by the choices we make in the circumstances. It's determined by the way we choose to walk. So any of you noting how it'll be. Roger, get in. <laughs> you see, very few people know that, that we have the ability to choose what we think about. When you're not saved, you don't have that ability. You, you have it to a limited extent, but what happens is you, you want to you be better, but you actually keep exercising willpower, and eventually your willpower runs out. And you just revert back again. Because willpower is a limited quantity. Whereas for believers, we have the Holy Spirit empowering us to make choices. So the choices we make, if we make them uh, and align our, our choices with the way the Holy Spirit uh, wants us to walk, he empowers that choice and enables us to see it through. So the first thing to really get inside when we're talking about transformation is that we've got the ability to make choices yeah. we can decide what we think about i'll prove that to you romans 12 2 do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may be able to prove what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of god I'm not going to preach on that because I preached on that in detail only a few weeks ago. But the point is, you have to have the ability to choose to determine that you're going to be transformed by the renewing of your mind and not conform to the pattern of this world. And unless you choose to be transformed, you will be conformed. There is no third option. Unless we walk as disciples... And, and, and people who, who, who learn to think the way God thinks, we will be conformed to the pattern of the world. And the result of being conformed to the pattern of the world is not just that we, 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 we are stuck with all the same things that the world is and all the same limitations. It's that we are not able to be transformed to see the power of God work in our life and through our life. So we have to be transformed and that will take more than just becoming a Christian. Now, just to remind you again, I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about how much God loves you, but I am talking about how much you'll experience of that love. I am talking about how much you'll experience of God's power in your life. I am talking about whether you'll experience the benefits of his blessing and favour on your life. 
You see, a lot of people come to church and they expect that because they've come to church and somebody's prayed for them, that, that God's blessing and favour will rest on their life. You see, a lot of people come looking for one-off miracles where God fixes their problems and they just get on with their life. Unfortunately, one thing I've learned is that God is in the slot machine. You can't come just get your miracle and that's the end of it with your relationship with God. He doesn't work like that. As I said last week, God releases the kingdom the more we know of his love and experience his love and the more we're rooted in his love. And to do that, we have to learn to think differently. Are you getting this? Is this helpful? And, and I also know it's challenging, but it, hopefully it's helpful as well. You see, what you're going to have to do is if you want to access the blessings of God in your life, it's not applying a formula on a Sunday morning. You're going to have to do some things for yourself. See, quite a lot of people go in and out of their relationship with God depending on whether they think God's sorted out their issues in their life. Like, oh, I'm really blessed. I'm really blessed at the moment. Oh, fantastic time with God. I'm not really blessed at the moment. I'm having a terrible time. Work's awful, work's awful. I can't be bothered with church. And people go up and down in their relationship with God according to what is happening externally to them. You see... The kingdom isn't external. The kingdom is within you and it changes the external, but you have to be transformed in the renewing of your mind so the internal changes the external. And if, and if we're not prepared to put the time in to do that and, and, and prioritise it in our life, it just simply will not happen. I, I don't know how we did it, but somewhere along the line, church... Uh, certainly in the Western world, and, and certainly my experience of, experience of the church in Africa as well, is we, we've moved from a church where we lay down our lives to Christ to a church where we want Christ to bless our plans and we're disappointed if he doesn't. And, and something's gone wrong there. Our, our renewing of our mind took a, an odd direction. Well, the truth of the word got mixed up. It became something we could use instead of something we were excited about. So, let me put this to you simply. What you think about and what you meditate on and what you allow to generate the actions in your life you can either put inside yourself a junkyard or a treasure yard. And you have the choice. What, what are you going to build inside? Are you going to build a treasure yard of things to draw on when the enemy attacks and the world doesn't turn out like, as the way you wanted it to? Or are you going to build a junkyard where there's nothing there and you're left having to use your own efforts just to sort out the mess. Because the choice is yours, and it comes down to what you put in. Because most of us have just established a junkyard by passivity. 
that the, 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 there's not enough of the word of God and the love of God and not enough revelation in there because all we did was hear something on 45 minutes on a Sunday morning and that was it. Instead of letting it get deep in our hearts and meditating on it and, and letting the Holy Spirit minister it to it and getting in the word for ourselves. You know, you can think on thoughts that are negative, cheap, common, rubbish. Or you can think on thoughts that are positive, helpful, pure, honourable. And you have the choice. And depending on which choice you take, you'll either put in things that build you or drain you. If you put in rubbish, it will drain you. If you put in good things, it will build you up. So you have a choice whether you have power-draining thoughts in you or power-building thoughts. Thoughts are powerful. Thoughts, the way you think, engages the kingdom of God or not. So you can put in power-draining things or power-building things. For instance, let's say you... Um, I guess it, it kind of... A way of trying to work out what we've been putting in, okay? Because basically, if you take a little inventory of what you've been putting in, the way what you've been putting in is manifested, or you can see it clearly, in your attitude towards what's happening in your life. Because all, all, we use this word attitude, but all that means is a, a collection of thoughts or beliefs by which we approach life. We, we can have a positive attitude, a negative attitude, a grumpy attitude, um, lots of things, different attitudes. So, for instance, somebody might have... Um, I've, I've gone off my notes, so there you go. Somebody might have an attitude about... Well, some of you, okay, you sat here and you're going, man, I wish I had a different job from the one I've got. I have the most boring job in the world. I have the worst boss in the world. My life's unbearable at work. And them, them people I work with. In the North we say them, them as. Them as I work with. They're not carrying their fair share. They're not doing it. They're leaving everything to me. Just stand around next to the coffee machine all day and I'm doing everything and... I've worked with people like that. If that's you, let me tell you what your boss is thinking. They ain't getting promoted. They're going nowhere. And the first time there's a redundancy programme, they're the one out the door. That's what your boss is thinking. Why did that happen? You did it. It was you. Because you choose to approach the work situation negatively instead of positively. You chose to crumble and complain and mourn. It's not your boss's fault. He just likes to be around happy people. You know, it's, it's true. Bosses like to be around happy people. They like them. They want to talk to them. They don't want to be around people that bring them problems all the time and no solutions. They just don't. 
And that, that's life. You see, but what we have inside comes out. Why, why are you smiling at Adam Brooks isn't that bad, you know. <laughs> you do love your job, yeah. You see, what happens is when you go into a particular situation, I've used work there, you just drain the life out of it because all the thoughts you're applying to that situation are draining thoughts. And, and you get to the point where you go, well, I just don't want to be here. And you're right, you don't want to be there because you've, you've indulged all those draining thoughts. Now, a believer is saying that this, the, the job hasn't changed, the boss hasn't changed, the situation hasn't changed. But the believer's in there and he's going, I'm going to do everything the best that I can. I'm going to do everything to the glory of God. And even if I'm not fairly treated, didn't Paul say something and Peter say something about how we had to behave when our masters didn't treat us properly? And I'm here to serve and I'm here to glorify God in everything I do because everything I do is an act of worship. And that's not going to stop me looking for a better job while I'm about it. But as long as I'm here, I'm going to be the best that I can be at this job. And all those other poor souls that have got to endure that same boss, I'm going to be positive towards them and encourage them and build them up and all those and, and that person that sat next to the coffee machine and stood next to the coffee machine I'm going to go and talk to them and I'm going to find out what their issue is and see if I can help them with it same person same situation completely different set of responses completely different effect because the way we think is strongly influential, influential on the manifestation of the kingdom that the world sees you see, the world doesn't see the manifestation of the kingdom in a way that will bring about revival because it doesn't see people living like that on a day-to-day -day basis in their workplaces and in their homes and in their neighbourhoods and in their schools. Because changed lives change lives. Going out once on a Saturday morning and... and, 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 and Forcing the gospel on somebody changes nothing. Change lives, change lives. So if we want to see the manifestation of the kingdom, we have to let the Holy Spirit and the word change us so that we become like the, the, the spirit of Christ that lives in us. We become like the one we represent. We become love like him. Now just let me... Uh, just want to sort of give you a few pointers, sort of practical pointers. Make it even more practical. Because the way we change our minds is, so you can't change your mind. You're probably slightly a different person than you were when this sermon began. But not much. And it wouldn't take much to shift you back again. But you don't make a big leap to be a different person. Because the truth is, you already are a different person inside. Your spirit is one with the spirit of Christ. Inside, you're kind, you're good, you're loving, you're faithful, gentle. You have self-control, the ability to make decisions, the ability to restrain yourself. You have faith. You have kindness. That's who you are. Now, the world's not seeing that fully because our mind gets in the way and our mind and emotions are reacting to everything 
because we haven't trained them. And we get transformed into the likeness of who we are inside by thinking differently one thought at a time. That's why Jesus said, if you abide in my word and my word abides in you, then you're my disciples, then you'll know the truth, then you'll be set free. So we need to abide in the word and retrain our minds one thought at a time. You're getting that? So, so practically, I just want to give you a few pointers and, and then, then we're kind of done. The first one's this. Most of us don't have a problem doing the right things when time is, times are good. Most of us have the problem doing the right things when times is hard. And so the, the first thing to bear in mind is this, that rough times don't last forever. They don't. Now, you might have off days, you might have bad weeks, you might have rubbish months, and you might have a terrible year. But you haven't got a lifetime that's terrible. It doesn't go on forever. Things change. You know, one of the things I learned, and a little nugget that God taught me, and is that when things, when you, when you, when you haven't seen what you wanted to see yet, you listen to God and you try all the different ways that you believe he shows you. But you still don't see it. What do you do then? Well, the Bible tells you what you do then is you stand. You wait for things to change and then you go again. Whereas most of us stop and give up. Because we don't recognise that times change, things change, people change around us, circumstances change around us, job situations change around us, Problems at work change. And just because right at this moment it's tough doesn't mean it always will be tough. So our role as believers is to stay in faith, believe God and do good. Stay in faith, believe God, do good. That's it. Stay in faith, believe God, do good. Whatever. It's like, not just when it's good, but when it's bad. Because if we'll do that, God will sort what's going on. Things will change. So that's the first thing. Second one is this. Don't make big decisions in bad times because you'll make the wrong ones. Don't make big decisions when times are hard. When you are in an emotionally fraught wreck, you are upset, tragedies hit, it's not the time to make big life-changing decisions. I know it's hard, because when we're in that place, we just want to get out of it. And our natural response is, I'll change that, I'll change that, I'll change that, I'll change that. No. Because you'll often find that you know, I've seen this over and over again. You find that you've changed this, changed that, changed that, and you're in a worse place because you made it when you weren't seeing things clearly. Because when, when you are upset and you are hurt and you are in pain, you can't see things clearly. So don't make big life-changing decisions when you're in that place. 
Let me give you a little word to remember that. Let your emotions subside before you decide. I like that one. That just came. <laughs> let, let your emotions subside before you decide. It, it didn't just come now. It came when I was actually writing my notes for this this week and I was going over them and God just dropped that in. Let your emotions subside before you decide. Now, what do you do when you're in that place of being upset, emotional? Like, not knowing what to do. Grieving. What do you do? Trust God. Believe what he says. Do good. Trust God. Believe what he says. Do good. It's what you do. And when the emotions subside, then you work your decisions through with God. But don't take them in the middle of something because it won't turn out well. You might think it's the best thing. I just need to get out of this. No. You need to trust God, believe God, do good. And when you're not so emotional about it, then you take your decision. And you'll handle it a lot better. It might be the same decision, but you'll handle it a lot better and that'll affect the outcome. So last point. And I just want to show you this. Keep in touch with the control tower. You know, a lot of the things that we do in life is because we are on autopilot reactions. We have been trained and programmed that when this happens, that's how I react. Well, I, that's just who I am. It may be, but you are subject to change. You are changing into the likeness of Christ. But that's just how I react. Well, then we're going to change your reactions. And, but a lot of the things we do are on autopilot. And what happens is when you're coming into land and, and it, it's the middle of a storm, you can't do that on autopilot. When you've got an engine on fire, you can't do it on autopilot. When somebody's just had an heart attack on your aeroplane, you can't do it on autopilot. You have to make decisions and, and you have to think. And, and the way you do that is you talk to the control tower. And the control tower is God. The, Holy, the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you, you have to stay in touch with God while this transformation process is going on. That's why we abide in the word, we become disciples, and we get to know the truth. You see, God actually sees and understands the big picture of your life. You might think you know everything about what is going on in your life. Let me assure you, even the people close to you will tell you that that is not true. What you thought they were thinking and what you thought they were going to do, they ain't. We can think we are omniscient and know everything about everything around us and we know nothing. That's why stuff keeps taking us by surprise, off guard and we're getting in a mess. Because we don't know everything. But God does. So we stay in touch with him instead of assuming, I can sort this. We go, God, I think I can sort this by doing this, but is that the best way this is going to pan out? Instead of like rushing along and going, I can sort it, I can sort it, I can do this, I can do that. God, 
this is what I was thinking of doing. Is that the best plan? Trust God, believe God, do good. <laughs> Stay in touch with the control tower. Let me show you how this works. And uh, I'm finishing with this. You all know these verses. Well, I guess you do, unless you've lived on planet Mongo for most of your life. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because your rod and your staff comfort me. Or go with me, whatever. It depends which translation you've got. Which one that say? For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay? So, we're going through, you're going through the valley of the shadow of death at work or at home or at school or at university or in your neighbourhood. You're going through a time that is just horrible. Why are you not afraid? Because in your natural flesh, you are going to be afraid and anxious and worried and stressed. The only way you're not going to be afraid is to choose to focus on the fact that God is with you. You see, we don't avoid the valleys of the shadow of death. Otherwise, nobody would have ever written this psalm. You know, David, one of the most anointed people, writes his psalm because he'd been through, a val through valleys of the shadows of death. And you're going to go through a few. You've already been through a few. And you've probably got a few more yet. But the truth is, they don't need to make us fearful and anxious because God is with us. And we don't avoid valleys. You know, a lot of people live their lives huddled up under a duvet because, and, and not coming out and not relating to anybody and not having any real relationships with anybody because they're afraid, because they got hurt. But you don't have to be afraid because God is with you. Yeah. You get nowhere by hiding in your house and being a hermit. You go through the valley of the shadow, which you can do because God is with you. And what is more, he does something when you're going through. He furnishes a table for us in the presence of our enemies. This is good, isn't it? He's not only going to be there, take us through, strengthen us, comfort us, give us counsel. We stay in touch with him. He shows us what to do. We believe him. We trust him. But then, right in the middle of it, he furnishes a table of, of provision for us that, that is going to like, just that our enemies can't touch. You might think like, oh, well, you know, this person's getting at me and they're trying to knife me in the back and they're, they're at me and they're lying about me and they're, they're going, undermining me and all these sort of things. God, God, what are you doing? And he's, he's there, he's busy, he's lying, a, furnishing a table in the presence of your enemies so you can eat and enjoy the provision he's giving you. So what do we do? We look not at the enemies, we look at the table that he's furnished and eat. The enemies are God's problem. The provision is your blessing while he sorts them out. 
He gives us what we need to go through, but he just doesn't give us a little bit. He gives us an abundance that, that we can be confident that as he sorts his, our problems out and the people out and our enemies out, that we're provided for. See, a lot of us never sought the enemies in our life. We never sought the problems in... We, we never get away from the people who are hurting us, who are undermining us, who are lying about us. We never get away from us because we think that they're the provision. And they're not. God's the provision. You know, no matter how talented somebody is, how gifted they are, how rich they are, they're not your provision. If they're messing your life up, they're not your source. Let God deal with them. He's your source. That's what he's saying. And the last bit. You do prepare table for me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows. You know, as believers, we are anointed for hard times. We're anointed for hard. We're anointed to go through. The Holy Spirit in us isn't phased by what's happening outside of us. So we want to stop face, focusing on our flesh and our reactions and choose to believe what is there. To know that we are anointed to deal with it. That we have wisdom. That we have love. That we have peace. That we have joy. The test of having joy isn't when things are great. The test of having joy is when they're not. We draw on the joy, the love, the peace of God in us. And we have peace. Surely goodness and loving kindness follow me all the days of my life and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the truth. That's where our mind and our thinking needs to get renewed to. Because that is the truth. You, you won't be able to get to knowing that's the truth and living from that place of truth by being a churchgoer. You get to knowing that because you get to know God. And how do you get to know God? You get to know God by abiding in his world, becoming his disciples, knowing the truth and the truth setting you free. We can't shortcut this. You know, we have to move beyond this consumer approach to our faith, consumer approach to our life. We have to move from this view that the, world, the church world seems to go in where God's your quick fix. And all we need to do now is we'll get everybody out and pray for them and everybody will be all right. There's a place for that and an incredibly powerful place for that. But unless we become disciples, we never ourselves grow. We're always riding on everybody else, on somebody else's faith to pray for us. So we have to renew our minds. So where I'm coming from in this and is... We've got to have a mind shift. We've got to up our game a bit. And the mind shift's becoming, going from, I'm a Christian, I'm saved, I'm a convert, I go to church, to I'm a disciple. 
I'm going to let God change my mind. And, and I'm going to approach situations in my life by choosing to approach them the way God tells me. Yeah. Trust God, believe him, do good. It'll change. I'm going to approach the relationships in my life by doing what he tells me. Trust God, believe his word, do good. I'm going to approach my job. Trust God, believe his word, do good. You see, Christianity is so simple, it becomes difficult. Because <laughs> there isn't any more to say. You trust God, you believe him, you do good. You leave the rest to him. That's grace. Your bit, trust him, believe him, do good. He'll do the rest. 